0: All right, everybody, I just wanted to get together with yous and talk to you. This is an unscheduled addendum, no regular episode here. Uh, I just wanted to you know, get something. I was talking to um, one of the fans, uh, from, uh, part of the use Guys family on Instagram. We were talking about uh, the end of the Empire and all that other good stuff. You've heard those themes on this show before. Um, lately, obviously, the dominating uh, news story. Isn't uh, Ghislaine Maxwell and the uh, trafficked, uh, you know, the human trafficking to absolutely no one, but uh, what's going on in the East with uh, Ukraine and uh, Russia. So I put out a post earlier today, and uh, if you guys don't follow the Facebook page, I highly recommend it. We are not as active on Twitter anymore. It's a shit show, and a lot of us aren't really, it's just not that interesting anymore. All they do is argue and fight with each other about stupid crap, and, you know, I, I just. I don't have time for that shit, really. I get on there, I lurk, I, you know. I'll shit on somebody with a really, really, really hot take, uh, and who deserves it. But other than that, you know, getting some news stuff, you know, getting some news stories there, or seeing how your friends are doing and stuff—that's nice. But in the end, like, I don't know. It just doesn't. It does, something's changed, and it doesn't seem the same. So we're a little bit more active on the Facebook. I uh, put up a, po- a post today, and don't forget to sign up on the Facebook page. We also have a Patreon. You should sign up for that, too. It's really inexpensive. But today, uh, we, uh, you guys' uh, post said, hey, gang, please ask anyone, and I encourage you guys, use yins, uh, to do this with your friends or coworkers or anybody as politely as possible if you could talk to them and, and, and bring this up. I really want some real answers. So these are this is the, the post. Please ask anyone you know who supports going to war with Russia if... A. They hate us for our freedoms. Try not to laugh. B. We must fight the Russians over there so we don't have to fight them over here. You've heard that one before. C. Yes, it is acceptable for close to 100 million Americans to be vaporized in a nuclear exchange with nuclear fallout impacting the human race for an indefinite period of time. Or D. America, fuck yeah. Yeah. All of the above. I mean, again, I highly encourage if you have anybody that you know that supports this, um, I wouldn't say impending, but potential conflict, to answer that question. And for those that are that are hawkish for it, uh, ask them if they're willing to send their kids over there to go and fight. Now, you've heard on this show before, we have a real soft spot in our hearts for Ukraine. Uh, you want to talk about a people that have been shit on for a really, really long really long time by their northern neighbors, Um, the poor Ukrainians. I mean, we're talking about 7 million starved to death under Stalin in one year, multiple famines. I mean, the Tsar controlled it. When Russia Russia proper was weakened, Ukraine was independent. And when Russia is very strong, uh, Ukraine becomes the Ukraine and part of whatever, you know, uh, Russian Empire or Soviet Empire, whatever, whatever's there. Um, Tough people uh, A lot of love and respect for them But at the same time I don't I'm not sending my kid over there to go fight and die in that war I think that some of you And you know again We have a soft spot on the show I certainly do for Ukraine uh, Wonderful people If I wasn't so goddamn out of shape And old Maybe I'd volunteer, maybe not But those of you that want to go fight the war Should go fight the war But you shouldn't send somebody else's kid to go fight the war with that being the case, I think you have to take into consideration, let's take a look at this from a status perspective in the sense of realpolitik. Okay, so let's look at this for example. Let's take a look at Russia's geography, okay? Now, when we're talking about, I think was it the four schools of uh, political theory in international relations. So you have realism, uh, constructivism, uh, neoliberalism, and um, Jesus Christ, I can't remember the other one for for fuck's sake. Um, but in this case, realism means that the the nature of relations between the nations is anarchic, meaning that they you know they don't trust each other, and there's nobody there's no um, you know like I guess you could say head at the table. Like everybody is is independent. All the all the actors do what they want. There's nobody that ants that that any of the countries answers to, and that seems to be at least in my estimation. Uh, what, what the case is. So, okay, I'm sorry, the last one is Marxism. So Marxism is another uh, school of thought for international relations when it applies Marxist theory to exploiter versus exploited. So I can't believe I forgot that. I'm recovering Marxist. I should know that stuff. Um, and then uh, collect, um, constructivism means that there are cultural bonds or ideological bonds between two actors. So think um, the Soviet Union and Cuba. Uh, you know, during the, uh, you know, during the 50s, 60s and all the way up to the collapse of the Soviet Union. So you have, you know, they don't have cultural ties, you know, because one is Latin American and the other one is clearly Slavic with a lot of, you know, Kyrgyz, uh, Kyrgyz, excuse me, Ukrainian, uh, Belarusian, you know, Georgian, uh, Uzbek, a whole amalgamation, but primarily Russian, right? Dominated by Russian culture. Uh, but they had an ideological link between each other, right? Um, so that's would be collectivist. And, of course, neoliberal, that's an entirely other episode that I'm not exactly that interested in covering right now because there's a lot of people out there who talk about neoliberalism, and they don't really know what, what that means. It's a theory in international relations. It has more to do with economics. They're saying it neoliberal, neoliberal. Well, we know what neoconservatism is. Um, But neoliberalism has more to do with economics. It's tying the world together, so to speak, economically so that you have more cooperation. And there's, you know, trust depends. But uh, it depends on the relationship between the actors. uh, But when it comes to realism, realism says, no, you can't trust each other. They're always looking to exploit the other one uh, for a weakness or for an advantage over the other actor. That's realism. And that's the school of... Of At least in this case, if we're going to play, you know, construct, I don't really think you can apply constructivism in this particular case, but we'll apply realism, right? So, or we can, or at least I'm going to. So let's look at Russia. Russia has traditionally been a very insecure state. What, what do you mean by that? Well, first of all, I want you to take, if you have a map, get a map out. and uh, And if you don't, go get one. They're free on the internet. And take a look at the country. I'm not talking about the Soviet Union. I'm talking about the Russian Federation. With the Ural Mountains being the only real border, I would say. Yeah, you have some rivers. But think about how many invasions Russia suffered. If they go back to the Mongols, like the Golden Horde, for example. Uh, you're talking about, you know, czars that were vassals or, you know, pledged uh, their, their allegiance to the Khan and were not independent, like the Prince of Novogorod, for example. Uh, that that wasn't an independent, like they, they were subordinate to the Mongols, right? And then you had Polish-Lithuanian coalitions, uh, you know, and then not to mention, if I mean, more, you know, contemporarily, I would say, I mean, contemporary within a context of 250 years. Um, with a timeline, excuse me. You're looking at Napoleon's invasion, right, the failed invasion. Um, You're also looking at at, uh, Barbarossa, right? So you have, and you have a lot of disgruntled states around you, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, uh, and of course, um, Ukraine, who suffered greatly. All of them did, right? So you have all of these things coming together with a country that also doesn't have any real... Like, uh, uh, geographical obstacles to invasion, you know, it with, with, could be, I mean, we already went through the Mongols, but look at uh, China, look at um, Western Europe, for example, that's why you had buffer states after the Second World War. That's why you had that shield starting in East Germany and working your way east to the uh, Baltic states and, of course, Belarus and Ukraine. You had the uh, Bulgaria, who could forget about poor Bulgaria. And again, you go through the list, Ch- Czechoslovakia, Hungary, l- Poland. Look at all these countries that served as a buffer to the West. So Russia has traditionally been a little insecure. Okay. Now, the, the issue with that is when you're seeing this resurgency, you know, what, what, what does this have to do with anything? You're calling Putin a communist and all this other shit. It's clear that, that Vlad has dropped the communist horse shit, right? Like, he doesn't believe in that. Um, he's a nationalist. He is a Russian nationalist. He's a patriot. He loves Mother Russia and the motherland, like, you know, like I love my motherland of Ohio, right? Um, but uh, more with the, you know, the defined borders and all that other stuff. But you know, here's the thing. I want Ukraine to be left alone. They've suffered enough. I get that. Do I think that a nuclear exchange, people say, oh, Jay, you know, the possibility of that really happening is low. I understand that it's low. But let's take into consideration, right? Let's take into consideration the dangers that we face, right? So when we're talking about nuclear weapons, okay, nuclear weapons in the stockpiles, let's look at this. Between the United States and Russia, that's 90% of the world's stockpile of nuclear weapons, and that's 5, it's 5,500 each. These aren't the same bombs that were used, unfortunately, uh, against uh, uh, the Japanese people in Nagasaki and Hiroshima, in 1945. These are thermonuclear weapons. These are H bombs. Uh, incredibly terrible, awful. way. it's the it's the harnessing of the power of the sun, and dropping it on people. Now, of course. You'll have and I understand that my audience uh, the audience of the show, excuse me, is not going to be fans of this stuff, like where you're killing innocent people and. In, but this isn't about you guys. This is about getting out the information and making sure now a lot of these waterheads are not going to listen to you. Like a lot of these people will justify the actions of incinerating children and women and innocent human beings who had who had nothing to do that they are the subjects of the rule of others. okay? I get that, and we shouldn't, you know. Plus, you have, you're dealing with programming issues. They've, they've had the same stupid software that's never been challenged, that's been reinforced through their entire lifetimes, and they've been eating propaganda cereal since the moment that they could sit in front of the television. And, you know, forget a lot of this is going to be lost on them, but it's important for us to bring up these facts, right? What What are the effects of a nuclear strike, a nuclear attack? Well, first of all, let's get into the effects, shall we? The radiation effects. Like, there are several effects. Now, remember, this could happen to your kids. This could happen to my kid. This could happen to my wife. This could happen to, you know, whoever, right? Especially if you live in the larger cities or if you live out in the west where the stockpiles are, the missiles, you know, the silos. And by the way, while we're on the subject of missiles, every time the Russians get uppity and they they buzz the tower like this in Top Gun, right? They're going to buzz the tower, Goose. But they buzz our aircraft. They're not air, our aircraft. America, you know the, the the air force, you know the government forces who are patrolling. The Russians will kind of get cheeky with them and like you know go into U.S. airspace and they kind of they get next to them, they buzz them, harass them. This has been going on for a long time. This one goes all the way back to the Soviet Navy uh, and the U.S. Navy. I'm not sure if it happened. I'm sure it happened to our the allies, of the United States, like Great Britain and France and stuff like that. But you know it's it's posturing, it's challenging, it's gamesmanship. This is kind of what they do. If you think for one second that there aren't American nuclear submarines outside Vladivostok, Archangel, that we don't, that the United States doesn't have any, uh, right next to Kaliningrad, which we talked about in the last episode, which used to be East Prussia, where Königsberg is, doesn't exist anymore, because the Soviets flattened it, if you don't think that those submarines for the United States Navy aren't strategically positioned, not only to monitor uh, Russian activity, but to strike, you are out of your mind. You are out of your mind. The same thing applies to North Korea. The same thing applies to communist China. That's what states do, and this is a you know the, you know it's it's a strategy. It's a monitoring strategy, but it's also if we can get those tridents out in the air, they're thinking, and get them out there before our enemies do. Well, then there's a strategic advantage. There's there's people who really believe. And they have lots of bars and a lot of stars on their jackets and lapels that you can win a nuclear you know, a nuclear confrontation. Well, the thing is, is maybe their family will be safe, but yours won't be. Uh, just like the poor fuckers that die in Amazon warehouses when an F5 tornado goes through them, they're not really worried about you. They can replace you and the product. Same thing with uh, people who are caught in the middle of uh, a conflict between two actors that have nuclear weapons. The people that are higher up, they're going to be okay. Their families are going to be okay. The fact, they did something on South Park years ago when Obama was president, and uh, he got on TV and says, we're going to be okay. And by we, I mean uh, Michelle and me and, you know, his two kids. I don't even remember uh, what the two girls' names are. Um, You know, like, but the rest of you are kind of fucked. And that's exactly what would happen. So the birds pass each other in the air right you got um you know these these missiles that pass each other in the air and then each of these missiles in the cones have several different warheads that can target individual targets right so this is 5500 each each that have these kind of missiles and that's what they're willing to claim remember we can't really trust those numbers because of course we're going to talk about oh we're limiting our nuclear stockpile see we signed this piece of paper and we're gonna you know we're working on limiting this stuff yeah sure if you want to believe that go right ahead But, um, you know, when we're talking about initial nuclear radiation, let's take a look at the facts here. So initial nuclear radiation is defined as the radiation that arrives during the first minute after an explosion, and is mostly gamma radiation and neutron radiation. The level of initial nuclear radiation decreases rapidly with distance from the fireball to where less than one Ronkin may be received five miles from ground zero in addition Initial radiation lasts only as long as nuclear fission occurs in the fireball. Initial nuclear radiation represents about 3% of the total energy in a nuclear explosion. Though people close to the ground may receive lethal doses of radiation, they are currently being killed by the blast wave and thermal pulse. In typical nuclear weapons, only a relatively small proportion of deaths and injuries result from, an, from the initial radiation. Now, residual nuclear radiation uh, from a nuclear explosion, excuse me, is mostly from the radioactive fallout. This radiation comes from the weapon debris, fission products, and in the case of ground bursts, radiated soil. There are over 300 different fission products that may result from a fission reaction. Many of these are radioactive with widely widely differing half-lives. Some are very short, i.e. fractions of a second, while a few are long enough that the materials can be hazardous for months or years. The principal mode of decay by the emission beta particles, and gamma radiation, right? Okay. Certain body parts are specifically affected by exposure to different types of radiation sources. Several factors are involved in determining the potential health effects of exposure to radiation. These include the size of the dose, that is, the amount of energy deposited in the body, the ability of the radiation to harm human tissue, and which organs are affected. The most important factor is the amount of the dose, the amount of energy actually deposited in your body. The more energy absorbed by cells, the greater biological damage. Health physicists refer to the amount of energy absorbed by the body as the radiation dose. The absorbed dose, the amount of energy absorbed per gram of body tissue, is usually measured in units called RADs, Another unit of radiation is the REM or Ronskin equivalent in man. To cover RADS to REMS, the number of RADS is multiplied by a number that reflects the potential for damage caused by a type of radiation. For beta, gamma, and x-ray radiation, this number is generally 1. For some neutrons, protons, or alpha particles, the number is 20. So let's go dose in REM and the effects. So between 5 to 20 possible late effects possible chromosomal damage between 20 to 100 temporary reduction in white blood cells from 100 to 200 mild radiation sickness within a few hours that is vomiting diarrhea fatigue reduction in resistance to infection between 200 to 300 doses of rem serious radiation sickness effects as in 1 to 200 rem and hemorrhage exposure is a lethal dose 10 to 35 percent of the population after 30 days. 300 to 400 serious radiation sickness, also marrow and intestine destruction. So LD50 through 70 slash 30, 40 400. Excuse me, to 1,000 is acute illness, early death, and 1,000 to 5,000 is acute illness, early death in days. The losing of hair quickly and the clumps occur with radiation exposure at 200 rems or higher. The brain, since the brain cells do not reproduce, they won't be damaged directly unless the exposure is 5,000 rems or greater. Like the heart, radiation kills nerve cells and small blood vessels and can cause seizures and immediate death. The thyroid. Certain body parts are more affected by exposure to different types of radiation sources than others. The thyroid gland is susceptible to radioactive iodine. In sufficient amounts, radioactive iodine can destroy all or part of the thyroid. Taking potassium iodine can reduce the effects of exposure. When a person exposed to around 100 REMS, the blood uh, lymphocyte cell count can be reduced, leaving the victim more susceptible to infection. This is often referred to as mild radiation sickness. Early symptoms of radiation sickness mimic those of the flu and may go unnoticed unless a blood count is done. According to data from Hiroshima and Nagasaki, symptoms may persist for up to 10 years and may also have increased long-term risk for leukemia and lymphoma. The heart. Intense exposure to radioactive material at 1,000 to 5,000 REMS would do immediate damage to small blood vessels and probably cause heart failure and death directly. Radiation damage to the intestinal tract lining will cause nausea, bloody, bloody vomiting, and diarrhea. This occurs when the victim is exposed to 200 REMS or more. Radiation will begin to destroy the cells in the blood that divide rapidly. These include including blood, GI tract, reproductive and hair cells, and ultimately harms their DNA and RNA surviving cell. Because re- reproductive, cell, reproductive tract cells excuse me, divide rapidly, these areas of the body can be damaged at REM levels as low as 200. Long term, some radiation sickness victims will become sterile. Long after the acute effects of radiation have subsided, radiation damage continues to produce a wide range of physical problems. These effects, including leukemia, cancer, and many others, appear two, three, and even ten years later. According to Japanese data, there was an increase in anemia among persons exposed to the bomb. In some cases, the decrease in white and red blood cells lasted for up to ten years after the bombing. There was an increase in cataract rate for survivors of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, who were partially shielded and suffered partial hair loss. All ionizing radiation is carcinogenic, but some tumor types are more readily generated than others. A prevalent type is leukemia. The cancer incidence um, incidence among survivors of Hiroshima and Nagasaki is significantly larger than the general population, and a significant correlation between exposure level and degree of incidence has been reported for thyroid cancer, breast cancer, lung cancer, and cancer of the salivary gland. Often a decade or more passes before radiation caused malignancies can appear. Beginning in the early 1946, scar tissue covering apparently healed burns began to swell and grow abnormally. Mounds of rays and twisted flesh called keloids were found in 50 to 60% of those burned by direct exposure to the heat rays within one to 1.2 miles of the hypocenter. Ke- keloids are believed to be related to the effects of radiation. Fallout is the radioactive particles that fall to Earth as a result of nuclear explosion. It consists of weapons, debris, fission products, and in the case of ground burst, radiated soil. Fallout uh, particles vary in size from thousandths of a millimeter to several millimeters. Again, I don't know what millimeters are, but I'm assuming that it's small to even smaller. Much of this material falls directly back down close to ground zero within several minutes after the explosion, but some travels high into the atmosphere. The material will be dispersed over the Earth during the following hours, days, and months. Fallout is defined as one of two types. Early fallout, which is within 24 hours of the explosion, or delayed fallout, which occurs days or years later. Most of the radiation hazards from nuclear bursts come from short-lived radionuclides external to the body that are generally confined to the locality downwind of the weapon burst point. This radiation hazard comes from radioactive fission fragments with half-lives of seconds to a few months, and from soil and other materials in the vicinity of the burst made, radioa- made radioactive by the intense neutron flux. Most of these particles delay uh, rapidly. Even so, beyond the blast radius of the exploding weapon, there would be areas, that is, hot spots, that survivors could not enter because of radioactive contamination from long-lived radioactive isotopes like strontium. Strontium 90 or cesium 137. For the survivors of a nuclear war, this lingering radiation hazard could represent a grave threat for as long as one to five years after the attack. Predictions of the amount and levels of radioactive fallout are difficult because of several factors. These include the yield, the yield, excuse me, in the design of the weapon, the height of the explosion, the nature of the surface beneath the point of burst, and the meteorological conditions such as wind direction and speed. An airburst can produce minimal fallout if the fireball does not touch the ground. On the other hand, a nuclear explosion occurring at or near the Earth's surface can result in severe contamination and radioactive fallout, right? So you're following along with with this, right? Many fallout particles are especially hazardous biologically. Some of the principal radioactive elements are as follows. Strontium-90 is very long-lived with a half-life of 28 years. It's chemically similar to calcium, causing it to accumulate in growing bones. Think of your children. The radiation could cause tumors, leukemia, and other blood abnormalities. Iodine-131 has a half-life of 8.1 days. Ingestion of it uh, concentrates in the thyroid gland. This radiation can destroy all or part of the thyroid. Taking potassium iodine pills can reduce the effects. The amount of uh, tritium releases uh, very released varies by bomb design it has a half-life of 12.3 years can be easily ingested since it can replace a, it can replace a hydrogen in water the beta radiation can cause lung cancer cesium 137 has a half-life of 30 years does not it does not present a large biological threat as strontium 90 it behaves similar to potassium and will distribute fairly uniformly throughout the body this can contribute to Gonad, uh, gonadal uh, irradiation, irradiation and genetic damage. When plutonium we- when a plutonium weapon is explodes not all of the uh, exploded not all of the plutonium is fission. Plutonium two thirty nine has a half life of twenty four thousand four hundred years. Ingestion as little as one microgram of plutonium, a barely visible speck, is a serious hazard, causing the formation of bone and lung tumors. So you're getting at, what's the point of this? Well, a lot of people, and I think a lot of people who don't think about this, like I understand if there was a war between the United States and Russia, do I think the United States would win? I think probably. But what about the cost? Now, if you're a regular human being who doesn't want to see anybody's children get irradiated, uh, let alone incinerated by nuclear weapons then all of this is a problem. And it should be a problem for most normal people. But unfortunately, because of hyper-nationalism or thinking that we have something to prove or whatever, you're going to run into this problem, right? Why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about death tolls? Well, I remember in applied science in 12th grade, we were building radios and shit. We had this really smart guy, Mr. Graham, who was um, our science teacher. And uh, we got onto the the subject nuclear fission. And applied science like we we started with like building radios and shit and then we started getting into physics and whatnot and uh this was in 1997 uh 97 98 last century ladies and gentlemen uh where he asked the class you know what's the best thing that you can do if a nuclear if, if a nuclear attack happens nuclear wars is is, is happening and of course you know a lot of us who grew up—we already grew up in the '80s—still remembered vaguely what a fallout shelter was. There was one at the post office. They took the sign down uh, like 10 years ago, but there was a fallout shelter there. There's a fallout shelter uh, at City Hall. Uh, you know, so some of the kids are saying, "Oh, you have to get in the basement. You got to store some stuff. You know, you have to have uh, food and provisions. All this other." And you know, and Mr. Graham goes, "You're all wrong. Uh, the best thing you can do is catch it." And, you know, of course, we're all, you know, retarded, you know, 12th graders, you know, seniors in high school. Like, Who the fuck are you talking about? You know, catch it. And, of course, like, I knew what he was, was inferring, you know, but um, not because I was smart. It was because, like, I was always into this shit because I was afraid of nuclear war when I was a kid. It was like, those goddamn communists are going to kill us all. And then I became a communist and now I'm a recovering communist. The Marxist, excuse me. Anyway, I digress. He said, no, the best thing you can do is catch the bomb. You won't feel anything. You won't feel a thing. It'll blow up and you will be gone. You will be vaporized. He said, feel bad for the people who are still here after the war. And, of course, there's that famous Albert Einstein quote that my kid loves to talk about. He's like, oh, well, you know, we don't know what uh, what kind of weapons World War Three would be fought with, but we know World War Four would be fought with sticks and stones. Yeah, okay, I get it. I don't think maybe that'll be as necessarily true, uh, but I think there'll be a lot of that. And then, you know, that gets, you know, death tolls. We're talking like maybe, OK, maybe it's not 100 million Americans, but there's what, 8 million people that live in New York City in the five boroughs, you know. OK, so that's quite a bit of them. And then Washington and then Los Angeles and then San Francisco. As much as I don't like those areas, I still don't want people to get incinerated. You understand what I mean? So that's a problem. And not to mention all of the, you know, I mean, I think Detroit would still get hit, because, you know, the, you know, the infrastructure to produce, you know, tanks and all that shit, there's there's a tank, there's, you know, Lima, Ohio has a facility that refurbishes tanks, I don't know if they build them, there's a Ravenna arsenal, there's a lot of industry that people don't really think about offhand that a lot of people are going to suffer and die from, because if there's a, if there's a nuclear attack, um, not to mention the demoralization of the population, even though Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, who's not a good person, wrote two books um, uh, on combat and on killing that I've read, and we've, uh, you know, the historical record and the empirical evidence suggests that bombing via airplane like they did in the Second World War, like, you know, versus you know the blitz in, in the United Kingdom. And then, of course, the the relentless uh, bombing of Germany during the Second World War, that 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 actually did not, in fact, impact people's will to fight on. It made them angry. Can we say the same thing about nuclear war? I'm not so sure. Um, it's going to be difficult to say. It's going to be difficult to say simply because it's hard to look at your kids as they're dying of leukemia. You won't be able to grow anything. You know, you think that the you know the the, the, the bare shelves Biden shit that's going on right now. You think that's bad now. I mean, wait until after something like this happens. People don't understand what they're dealing with we're first of all these aren't like again i understand Ru- russia is not afghanistan russia has a modern military with nuclear weapons and uh, very capable forces against the united states and nato allies do i think they lose yes i think that they lose i think that they are several leagues behind but how many americans are you willing to sacrifice on that altar how many of your neighbors are you willing to put up there i mean me zero for something like this, zero. I mean zero in general, but especially like you know if these if these fuckers came over here and started landing like you know started you know like kind of like a red dawn thing where you're you know at work and you see parachutes you see eyes coming down to the sky, okay, well now you know it's a different story. You know I'm not definitely not taking their side. I'm not advocating for that, nor am I advocating for you know any kind of conflict whatsoever. But if you're in my fucking if you're in my back patio at uh, at uh, fortress, uh, Jake, Well, that's a problem that, you know, we're going to have to sort out like one of us is going, um, and I'll do my best to make sure it isn't me, but when it's, you know, this political horseshit. So to divert your attention now, again, this is the conspiratorial part of it that I'm not so sure that that's what it is, but like, there's a lot of, a lot of this is, is gamesmanship. Let's divert your attention. Oh, inflation is kicking your ass at the store. Oh, even when you do have money, you can't find the things that you're looking for Bear shells, Biden, right? I think Styx calls him that. Styx, Hex, and Hammer, 666. He's really funny. Um, a little more conservative for me, but he's excellent. I really enjoy his commentary. You should check him out on YouTube. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I'm really... like. This is a serious problem. Now, do I think that the Russians will invade Ukraine? Well, the Ukrainian government is, is like, no, oh, no, all is well, kind of like Kevin Bacon does in Animal House. You know, all is well. Stay calm. I don't know if I'd be calm if 100,000 Russian troops were right across the border looking at me. I, in fact, I would be a little concerned. I'd be, you know, we're monitoring the situation. Well, I'm sure that they're monitoring the situation. Um, and that gets on to the other subject. Think about, like, call this World War III. I have a problem with this definition of world wars. Why? Well, for those of us uh, who were, uh, you know, born here in the United States of America, you do realize that the American War of Independence was a world war. It was a world war. It was fought in in more places than uh, on the North American continent and with more actors than Native American allies to both sides, the United Kingdom and the Continental Congress of the United States. The Dutch were involved... The French were involved. The Spanish were involved. Uh, there was ceding of territory in the Caribbean. Uh, you know. And, of course, the French and the British, any chance to fucking have a go anywhere in the world, they're always they're having it. What about the Napoleonic Wars? Yeah, sure, the main battlefield was in Europe. So was World War I. But it was called a World War. Same thing, well, I mean, not so much in World War II. I mean, that, you had more of a balance geographically. It's not even close. It was, you know, the Pacific uh, Theater. Between the Japanese and uh, the United States and its allies, but like we've had several world wars, so I don't even know. Like we're like on World War like five, six, seven, eight. We're, the War on Terror is definitely a world war. We've been the United States of America has been drone striking people all over the fucking place, you know, killing people all over the place. So this definition, I, like that was something that was nagging at me today. I'm like, why do we just have two world wars? Why did it get cute? They didn't even call it World War One when it happened. Called it the Great War, right? Why? Because it was supposed to be the war to end wars. Because it was so horrible. Do you know what the war? The war that was worse. Uh, the, the worst war that we, that the planet ever endured prior to World War One was the Napoleonic Wars. Look at the death totals for that war versus World War One. That's why you get. That's why you get it called the Great War, because it's unfathomable. It, it is such a uh, an order of magnitude worse than anything the planet ever suffered. Right? Okay. Well then. Quantify that with the second World War. I mean, shit just gets worse. Well, this is well, this situation, if it were to go hot, where birds are passing each other in the air, you know Minutemen missiles are going in the air, whatever the the Russians have is going in the air, tridents are going in the air, nuclear bombers are out there, all sorts of terrible things are out there, and the birds pass each other in the air. Just think about if you have family that you love and you know you you got kids, you got parents. Think about old folks in, in, in uh, retirement communities. It's a nursing home. It's a retirement community. Those of you who watch the Sopranos know exactly what I'm talking about. But think about people that you love literally getting radiated and having, you know, getting their skin burned, uh, watching your children die of, of, of blood cancers. You know, like, you can know, watch them die of leukemia and thyroid cancer and terrible things. Those of you who do not, who have not seen it yet, You want to get a taste of really what it's going to look like. I cannot recommend enough the mini series that HBO put together about Chernobyl. Okay, notice I didn't mention it up to now because that is a very real thing that we can look at, that we can see, and we can, you know, that we know what the effects were uh, of having a nuclear meltdown. Now imagine that happening in several different places across the planet. Okay. This is a problem. You watch these these people, you know these firemen, the first responders. To you know, they thought it was just a regular roof fire at a nuclear power plant. I mean, they were literally being zapped with ungodly amounts of radiation, picking up graphite that was that was uh, that was in the core to regulate temperature. It is a phenomenal mini mini series, and you see the effects of what this stuff can do this pandora's box that has been opened then now it just it can't be closed i don't want that happening to russian kids i don't want it to happen to ukrainian kids i don't want it to happen to your kids wherever the fuck you are i don't want it happen to mine i cannot stress enough how this is a problem for you know for the powers that be to talk big like these are big stakes it's not going to be a conventional war why would it why would it stay a conventional war you have to make your point. And the, the, the Russians and the Americans have not faced off in a war. Yeah, there was a Cold War, sure. But actually exchanging fire with missiles and, have you know, like, I, I, it's bad news. And it's bad news to the people caught in between two assholes fighting. Okay? The same people, there's a great book out there, it's called The Bloodlands, between Hitler and Stalin. Well, the same people are going to get caught up in this shit again. The same people are going to be caught in between two two big fucking animals fighting each other. Because all of NATO and Western Europe, and, and of course, and here's the other thing. Is this a test to see how far the NATO alliance is going to push? Because Putin, his government's like, hey, listen, we won't have a problem, but you can't, Ukraine must never be allowed to join NATO. And NATO is like, go fuck yourself. And I understand why they said that, because... Why are you going to let your enemy dictate the terms of your uh, of uh, of your expansion of NATO? Already as it is, NATO is in Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, right? Poland, right? You already have NATO bases right I mean you could put NATO troops right up to the nose of Mother Russia. They're right there. So I understand why the Russians feel the way they do, right? Now, what do the Chinese do in this situation, right? They got the fucking Olympics coming up and that disgusting air that they have over there because it's polluted, because they're the source of most of the pollution. What are they going to do? If you're China, if we're going to play the real game, do you sit it out and let to these, two, uh, these two empires fight each other while you eat popcorn and wait for the pieces to fall? Now, remember, China, in my opinion, is looking to be uh, a regional hegemon, not a global one. Okay, this, They're not ready for global yet. They might be in our lifetime, those of us that are, you know, in our 30s and 40s, but they're looking to be regional hegemon. I don't want to stay too much on that because my friend Paul will go absolutely apeshit because he loves to talk about China. I'm not a huge fan. I don't like to study it too much. All I know is that the Chinese Communist Party sucks, and the people of China, I see them as victims of communist oppression and have been since 1949, probably before that. Um, With that being the case... What do they do? They sit it out? I would sit it out, wouldn't you, when these, the two big bad bullies on the block and you're looking to get first place at some point in time? Let them fucking beat each other up. Wear them out, right? Um, we'll see what happens. I hope there's no war. I certainly hope the best for Ukraine. And uh, I certainly hope that you guys, man, like nuclear war is bad fucking news. That's that civilization ending. You know what? You know we'll go back to sticks and stones fighting wars. I mean, all the shit that you enjoy podcasting, all that shit is gone. All the things I enjoy, gone. You know what I mean? Like it's bad news, and watching people die of cancer because of of governments wanting to have a row with each other is just—it's criminal. So anyway, um, thanks for listening to this addendum. I just had to get that out there. Make sure you share some of this information with people who think that this is a fucking good idea. And if they do think it's a good idea, ask them why they haven't enlisted. Ask them why they haven't offered themselves up. Why they got to send somebody else's kids to go fight another stupid fucking war? We haven't won a war. this country hasn't won a war since the Second World War. Do You guys realize that? They haven't won a war since the Second World War. They tied in Korea. Body count-wise, yeah, they won in Vietnam, but they lost because the communists won, right? Iraq won. We won Iraq. Won. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, and then we went back again and killed another million people. You lost in Afghanistan. You lost in Iraq, right? If you want to consider Iraq a victory, the first one, I mean, you left Saddam in power, Right? Like and then, and then, of course, and then I expect the tape to change if we get through this without anybody fucking firing missiles at each other. Iran's going to be back on the table. Listen, any distraction to get you to look the other way while you fucking pay more at the pump, while you can't find chicken fingers at the goddamn uh, grocery store, while everything is more expensive because your dollar's worth shit, anything to get you looking the other direction, they're going to pull, Okay. And uh, the whole student loan thing—that's another—that's another ball of wax, because they're going to keep punting that thing down the road. Because nobody wants to hold the, you, to not have a chair when the music stops. You know what I mean? I mean, it's going to be bad. But as far as this is concerned, man, try to educate people that may not understand just how bad this could be, how awful this could be for for humanity. I mean, forget about your nationalism. I mean, think of the whole planet really being in a bad spot. This is no good. So. Um, We'll talk to you on the regular podcast. Thank you for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe to the Patreon and make sure that you get on the Facebook and like the page and follow along. There's more posting and activity on there than there is on Twitter. Far more interaction. Uh, Don't be afraid to message the show. If you want, uh, use guysandnet at gmail.com and uh, message us on uh, Facebook is fine. No, I haven't sent out the goddamn gay soap yet. Guys, I've been working away from home. Um, I should be going remote here pretty soon, so I'll be able to work uh, from the motherland again and finally get my act together. My apologies, I, I haven't sent it out yet. I meant to send it out, but when you only have two days to get your act together, do all your laundry, hang out with your family, go out to dinner, and do all of the normal stuff, you got to squeeze in an entire week's worth of stuff into, into one and a half, two days max, it's really tough, uh, and I apologize for that. Um, Don't forget to check out our sponsors, AgorasNexus.com. I I Paint Akron, where all accidents are happy accidents. Team Mandalore keeps cycling weird. Uh, Ray Faba, fine art and design from the Great Lakes. And, of course, my friend Todd at Akron Apothecary, gay soap for your asshole. So hopefully you won't have to wash gay soap with a cold shower after the nuclear war happens. Let's just all hope that uh, that doesn't transpire. Okay, guys, take care of yourself. That's it from Allegheny Soviet Socialist Republic. Be good, be well, wash your ass.